besides just having excruciating pain, but it is a sense of losing control. I mean, I felt like I just didn't have any control over my life, you know, and I felt like I got that control back. This podcast does not constitute medical advice. All changes surrounding medications, diet and exercise should be made in consultation with a professional who can assess your unique health circumstances. Welcome to the Rheumatoid Solutions Podcast with Clint Patterson, helping you to live an easier, healthier, and happier life. Don't we love happy stories? Today, I've got Margaret on the episode to talk about her journey with rheumatoid arthritis. She was on multiple different rheumatoid arthritis medications, and she has improved herself so much with her lifestyle changes that now she's on a low dose of methotrexate only, and her symptoms are far less than they were even when she was taking the higher dose and multiple medications. So Margaret, welcome. I'm really looking forward to your story. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks, Clint. Yeah. Yeah. Now tell us, uh, give us, I like doing the snapshot, the before and after, like I wasn't (laughs) able to walk down the stairs, but now I can do this. Give us a little something to look forward to in this episode. Well, yeah. I mean, I got to the point where walking up, up and down stairs was difficult. My knees would give out sometimes. I had a lot of swelling. I was waking up, I mean, waking up in the morning and having to sit on the side of the bed and just do a lot of self-talk because my feet hurt so bad. That was probably one of my worst things is my feet hurt so bad. And I thought, okay, I gotta gotta walk to the bathroom, you know. So that's that's kind of where I was. And then my, you know, wrists and hands would would kind of flare, but probably my knees, my feet are probably the worst. Yeah. And, and now I'm to the point where I am running again. Um, I am running better and faster than I have in years, minimal to minimal to no swelling and yeah, bounding up and down stairs. So, (laughs) so just, I'm just so incredibly grateful. So grateful. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, for our audience who are going to listen or watch this episode, um, I don't know your story. All of that was new to me, and that's the way I like it because I want to sit through this and experience this um, with the audience and ask the questions that they would. So let's talk about, before we talk about what you did, let's talk about when you were diagnosed. Was it rheumatoid arthritis? Uh, seropo- I think you told me that you at one point had a rheumatoid factor Uh, elevated in an email that you exchanged before we set this up. Um, You had elevated uh, anti-CCP antibodies. So did it start in the feet? Was it like always uh, a problem in the knees? Tell us about the progression and then the drug management, and then we'll get into what you did about it. Yeah. So I was diagnosed in 2019. Um, Looking back, I have had symptoms for years. I just didn't recognize it. Um, I was doing a lot of running, a lot of uh, marathons um, and getting older. So I just kind of attributed some of that pain to getting older and being active. And But the first kind of major flare I had um, was in 2019 and I was at work and just out of nowhere, my wrist, it was after lunch and I went to pick something up and my wrist was swollen and it hurt. I thought, you know, and you, you try to reason away what it could be. I thought, well, I had been cutting some fabric the other day, you know, and, but then within an hour, my other wrist, same thing. Well, and by the time I, yeah, but by the time I left that evening, I could hardly put my coat on my shoulders hurt so bad, was struggling to drive home and I got home and, you know, put, had ice packs and heating pads. And, and I remember my husband came home and it was like, I don't complain much. about things. And he was like, what is going on <laughs> as I'm sitting there, you know? And, um, I said, well, I think I have rheumatoid arthritis to which he says, well, that's not good. And he doesn't know anything about medical things, but I said, well, what do you know about this? And he said, well, I had to write a paper on it in eighth grade. So he, he kind of knew that it wasn't good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so then that week I got into my doctor, got labs done. 
and my our, my factor rheumatoid factor was um, negative. My ESR was negative, but my anti CCP was just off the charts. So I got the diagnosis, and and I will tell you that week before I got on met, well, I was just doing ibuprofen pretty much and trying to manage it, but. It, it is just that pain is just so relentless. I think by the third day, I was just kind of laying in bed, trying not to move. You know, it's it was just incredible. And then and then got on prednisone. Um, and then it took probably that was in, I believe, November. I don't think I got into the rheumatologist till the next month and then started on methotrexate right away and had. I mean, I was doing pretty well that whole next year or so. Um, started off at four tablets a week, went up to six and was doing okay, you know, for the next, next year or so. Were you still on the steroid at this point? Well, I would, I would take it occasionally and historically the ibuprofen, um, because I was running a lot and I would take ibuprofen quite often. Um, I would get gastritis sometimes like just really bad stomach upset from this ibuprofen. Mm-hmm. So I was managing it between that and the, and the, um, the prednisone, the ibuprofen and the methotrexate. I was, I was just trying to manage it, but, um, wasn't able to, you know, probably the, the one, one of the biggest losses I had was, um, my husband and I and friends of ours, we would run together every week and we were doing races and just having a good time and I couldn't do it especially those long runs. I mean, I could do it, but the next day I would pay for it. I mean, swollen, swollen joints, knees, um, and fatigue, really bad fatigue. It just, it just, you don't, I guess I didn't realize how bad I was till I felt better. And then it was kind of like, how was I functioning? Yeah. So wasn't sleeping well. I mean, I, I had so many nights where I'd wake up because I'd have to change positions because whatever was hurting. And it was multiple times a night. I mean, enough that I would look at the clock and think, oh my goodness, you know? So I was just, yeah. And I used to work out in the mornings. I was an early riser and wasn't doing that anymore. So I just really felt like it was changing who I was, um, was a lot of loss. I felt like, so, Mm. so I was just kind of, (laughs) Kind of trying to manage with those things, knowing prednisone was not good to take long term, you know, for bone health and all sorts of reasons. You knew that because of your profession. Did you mm-hmm. mention to me prior to the call yeah. you're a nurse? Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a oh, nurse. Okay. Yeah. So that's also why you knew straight away that, well, you suspected that it was rheumatoid mm-hmm. after you got these symptoms. You're like, I know what this is because of my yeah. job. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So, now, at this point, your rheumatologist probably sees you again and says, look, you've still got some symptoms, mm-hmm. you know, and you're probably telling him or her that you're complaining about the fatigue and and so on. So what was then the pharmaceutical decision at that point? Um, yeah, I mean, if I would go in and kind of, you know, complain about something, um, it was just to, well, let's increase your dose. And then at one point... Um, it was suggested I go on injectable methotrexate, yeah. which I was going to do. And then, um, and then I didn't, I just chose not to. And then, and then somewhere in there, I switched rheumatologist mainly out of just convenience. Honestly, I felt like they they're both wonderful people. I just felt like, I don't know. I, I just felt like it, I was just going in and, you know, saying what I needed and it was just going to be medication after medication after medication. So it was kind of like, I kind of felt like it doesn't really matter who I go to because this is going to be the regimen. <laughs> yep. I, I understand. Um, yeah. And, and I remember the, the first one I, I went to, of course, your first appointment, you know, I go in there with all these questions and, and about diet and I was already eating whole food plant-based several years prior to that because of um, high cholesterol. And um, mm-hmm. I watched forks over knives and was an immediate convert, you know, that, that we're going to do this. So that was another devastating thing of getting this, getting this um, diagnosis because I felt like I'm eating well, I'm, you know, but going into the rheumatologist and saying, well, I'm a runner. I like to run. I do it for mental health. And, you know, 
what about running? And, and it was kind of like, well, just, just do the elliptical, just do something else. Just, you know, and it, it was, that was probably really disappointing. Mm. Um, so I don't know. I, I just often felt like I wasn't getting a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of answers, I guess, or alternatives or direction yeah. about diet or totally. Some of these professionals yeah. are like the ultimate hope crushers. It's like they're part, <laughs> yeah. part of their de- part of their job description, you know. Yeah, uh, that that's just because they see bad cases and they the the prognosis for many many folks isn't great, mm-hmm. and and literally they don't most of them know the science and the evidence between diet and and, and arthritis uh, as my friend dr Yu, the rheumatologist uh, who we have on our monthly live calls for our members um says you know you mentioned oxidative stress to rheumatologists and you get a blank stare like it's actually it's crazy some of the stuff that i talk about day in day out as being contributing to the to the disease and i can present paper after paper after paper where researchers are publishing this in the major rheumatology journals it's just not not part of their like way mm-hmm. they think they're thinking what symptoms what drug um, what imaging required, what labs need to be done to monitor the disease and to mi- to minimize the symptoms, not what's causing it. Whereas I spend all my time looking at what's causing this. Right. And it's, an, it, you know, the disease is so complex and there's so many different ways you can look at it, treat it, you know, and as a patient manage it. You know, one can certainly be forgiven for not knowing absolutely everything about it because it's just so, you know, it's so complicated, right? right? Yeah. And I think, I think too, I mean, in, in my mind, I mean, I know they say, you know, they don't know what causes it. That was mm-hmm. any research I would done early on. It was like, they don't know what causes it. And it's like, well, something did because before I was okay and now I'm not. So what, I mean, something causes this, you know? And so I think that was one thing that, that was just always in my mind. And then, and then also talking about, that first visit to the rheumatologist, you know, we're sitting in that waiting room and I am seeing people walk by in really bad shape, right? I mean, their fingers are pointing every direction except the way they're supposed to be pointing. And I, you know, I'm just watching them like, oh my word. And is this my future? You know, and and I remember my husband saying, just stop, you know, don't, you know, don't go there. Um but the rheumatologist said to me, I'm sure you saw some people in the waiting room that were, you know, in, in fairly bad shape. Those are the people that didn't want to take the medication and now they want to do something about it. So they um, say, so they say, I've heard this so many and, times. It's like, yeah, it's like yeah. the persuasive mind. Yeah. And, and look, the studies show that those who go on medication early with aggressive treatment do have better long-term outcomes, mm-hmm. but yeah. One thing too, it was, it was, she has, she was talking about methotrexate and said, you mm-hmm. know, people don't, they're afraid of methotrexate, um, you know, in really large quantities, it's used for chemo. Um, it's, but, but you're, you know, you will be taking a small dose, you know, it's, it's safe, you know, on and on, but then it's like, but you also have to take folic acid to present, to prevent anemia, you know, hair loss and mouth sores. And so you hear that and you think, well, it is kind of a big deal. That I'm taking this. Yeah. Oh, man, it's <laughs> like, a big, kind it's of a like just rushing yeah. off, like it's like you know, no big deal. But. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the the real threat, despite all of those things uh, that that comes up the most, is the liver damage, the oxidative stress oh. to the liver, which is the ALT and the AST markers that you look for each month when you get your blood done, as you must do, because this is serious stuff mm-hmm. for your liver. And moments before we started this call, I was just communicating with someone in rheumatoid support who's just updated me, and she's had to come off her methotrexate because her ALT and AST are elevated, and yeah. she's in the best shape ever. We've got her; she's cruising along, really low symptoms, CRP, ESR, everything's really mm-hmm. great. She feels fantastic, but now she has to to stop her methotrexate, which interrupts everything, all of the all of the balance that's involved right. because her liver enzymes are way up from the drug. And that's the thing that, you know, that, yeah, I mean, that's one of the considerations. Right, right. I, I, caught, I went real close to having to cotton off methotrexate because of mm-hmm. my liver as well. So, 
Yeah. So look, there's a lot on the there's a lot on the plate. So we had a great chat there around around these 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 um, considerations and challenges. And so you went, you changed rheumatologist, and then you went to the the to the new one. And what happened then? Um, honestly, kind of the same, you know, same story. I, I really like him. Very, very nice, nice guy. Um, but I mean, you know, interestingly, I had an appointment just um, last week. And so and I hadn't told him what I was doing yet, that I had been doing your program. And so so I went in thinking, OK, I'm going to I'm going to tell him all about this and see what he says. And it was kind of like, oh, OK, well, yeah, I've you know, I've heard some things. I mean, he hadn't heard of your program, but you know, kind of like do whatever works kind of thing, you know, and he said he was going to look into it, but I'll, I'll check back next <laughs> time and see if he did. Um, but, you know, I'm all excited and saying, you know, I, I feel fantastic. You know, I've halved my Medicaid, my methotrexate, you know, and I mean, it's kind of like, well, that's, that's nice, you know. <laughs> yeah. We go through whole- this on every, on every guest I have on the show, we have this same conversation. It's like, uh, here we go. We've presented something that is not only effective but sustainable, long term, essentially a a sort of a permanent reduction of yeah. RA symptoms. And the rheumatologist shrugs and just like, okay, whatever you're doing, it's like it is in a sense of, well, that's not that interesting to me. Or you keep doing, you know, right. And we, right. which to us is just dumbfounding because right. it's the disease that they are meant to be the expert in treating. Right. But you see, that's an area of expertise that is not where they're at. And so it's like, okay, well, good for you. you know I, yeah. yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and I remember last last spring when I went in and, and was not doing was not doing well. And, and I remember he said to me, well, you know, you're in your forties and you're, you're, um, you're, once you get on the max dose of methotrexate, then, then yeah, we'll put you on a biologic, probably Humira. And then that'll probably hold you over till you're 65. And then, then Medicare will pay for, you know, infusions. And, and I said, well, when am I on the max dose methotrexate? And he was like, well, you're, you're pretty much there. And I just left that day just kind of in tears because I thought he's got my whole life mapped out for me. Like this is my future. This I am going to be forever dependent on these drugs. And and he's got me like <laughs> he's got my story till I'm, you know, 65 and doing infusions. And it just it just felt so hopeless. Wow. And at, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, and at that point, I um I was like, okay, I'm I'm willing to try try anything. And so before, cause I did not want to go on Humira, um, for multiple reasons. And so I tried acupuncture, I tried, uh, multiple different, um, supplements and, um, yeah, I mean, nothing was working. So, so yeah, so I eventually, I eventually said, okay, I'm ready to feel better. Let's, let's start this Humira. And I don't know if you're ready for that little story yet, but, um, we well, yeah. are. Yeah, we yeah. want to we want to get the Humira story done, and and then we want to spend yeah. the balance of our call talking about great things and and you know give us some insights into the ways that you've used the program to get your life back on track, how quickly it happened, things that you had to modify, how it was working, um, you know, because if you're already on whole food plant based. I want to know how the what the subtleties were for you and so on mm-hmm. so let's let's yeah. let's get the humira done and then we'll talk foods exercise and all the rest so i made the call and and started this whole humira process which which they they assign you a nurse ambassador and and she said to me you know she contacted me wanted to know my story and said you know we are very committed that you get your medication no matter your financial situation your insurance situation you know um we're just very committed to this to you so I was like, okay. And, and surprisingly, I think I got it delivered to my door in a week. I mean, I had this month supply of Humira sitting on my doorstep, you know, mm. thousands of dollars. I was just shocked and they have this copay card. So they, they pay for it until, you know, I would hit my deductible. And so I'm looking at this cost when I saw my insurance, you know, ex- explanation of benefits, just horrified by the cost. 
And yeah, so that the, was... Sorry, can you just explain? Yeah. Because I've lived for yeah. two years in the US. We're here at the moment, but we're just yeah. visiting on this occasion. And for the rest of the world and and also for some sure. people who... Yeah. So uh, my memory was this. We paid a ridiculous amount of money being self-employed, right, for our monthly premiums. There's all the jargon, right? So uh, correct me yeah, as yeah. I make mistakes here. We're at something like $1,600 a month for our premium for our family, okay? I want that to just sink to in. It. Just to yeah. have it. Can just everyone just it. take a moment and think about how much money that's US dollars, yeah. $1,600 a month, right, just for our family to have insurance, not, uh-huh. to, ha- not to use it, just to have it. Right, And right. then when we would go to a doctor, like the child gets, I don't know, like has to have I don't know, some kind of like a compulsory MMR injection because they're two-year-old or something, then there'd be a cost and then our insurance would cover some of it. And I understand that our contribution was the co-pay. Am I using the right phrase? Right. 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 Okay. And then you continue to do this until those co-pays add up to, in our case, something like $9,000 per individual. Okay. so. Per year, per year. So if my little girl goes and has her MMR injection because she's two, and we contribute fifty dollars, and then the the the, and then the insurance covers two hundred dollars or something, that fifty dollars comes off nine thousand, and so we're down to eight thousand nine hundred fifty bucks that we still have to pay before insurance will cover the rest of our thing for that year, right? So if she breaks her arm, thankfully no one has done anything like that, then we'd be up for $8,950 and then insurance would cover it, the rest of it, and then her whatever bills would have for the rest of the year just for her. But we've got the same scenario for each. So with that now understood, what happened with the the, Humira here? So we kind of put the... Right. So yeah, that was good. So, um, so we have a high deductible insurance as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, luckily it's through my husband's, um, work. And so they contribute to, to the premiums, which is, which is very generous and nice. And, um, but so I get this explanation of benefits and it's saying that the retail cost of Humera for one month was like $13,000. And then it was like the insurance discount brought it down to, I don't know, it was like 8,000. And then how was this? And then um, I think I would have owed $4,900 after all these discounts. You would have been out of pocket $4,900 for the month? $4,900 for medication. So, but the drug company said, well, you get this copay card. And um, on this copy card is like $16,000. So, so you, you won't have to pay anything, which, which I'm like, I, you know, you kind of don't believe it, but yeah, 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 yeah. So sure enough, I got it for the month. Um, didn't have to pay a thing and it actually was helping. Right. So after a month, I'm like, wow, I, I didn't know that my feet could not hurt. It's been so many years I've been living with this. But I thought, will I get it the second month? You know, and so second month, sure enough, comes comes to my door. Same thing. Didn't have to pay anything. And I thought, why are they paying for this? Mm. But but, you know, they're they're essentially paying my deductible. And then once that's done, the insurance is going to have to fork out this cost. So I feel like it's this whole racket that I don't want to be a part of. Right. I mean, it's just. You know, and then the drug company is blaming the insurance company, and the insurance company is blaming. The, and oh, in the middle is this patient gosh. that just wants their medication. You so, know? so let me put this, and I hope this doesn't come off as skeptical, but let me let 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 yeah. me repeat this back and see if you agree with what I think is going on here. And I think all our audience understands this as well. Is what's happening here is the drug company know that their product is so highly priced. Right. That the patient may not be able to afford it. So they want to basically uh, get that patient onto the uh, onboarded so that the insurance company can then pay the drug company the exorbitant <laughs> price. Right. To make that happen, they don't mind 
covering the cost right. of you and giving it to you for free until quickly because I only take a month or two oh, and then oh, right. right sort of I mean R- right right yeah yeah so in working yeah in working in healthcare and dealing with insurance and that I just yeah anyway so I thought well what's going to happen that every every month I was kind of like what's going to happen this month and sure enough the third month I was I get a call from the specialty pharmacy and they're like well there's there's a problem with your copay card it looks like you're going to owe like $1,900. Um, so if you just want to give us another credit card, we can just ship it. And I was like, no, 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 do not ship it. And we were go- we were heading out of town. Um, so I thought, well, I will just sort this out when I get back. Um, I'll call my nurse ambassador from Humera, you know, and get this sorted. And so I get back and was on the phone probably two hours um, between her and, you know, she was once saying how committed they were that, that you get your medication, no matter what to, yeah, you know, the insurance companies have kind of caught on that, you know, we're actually paying your deductible. So now you have to call this other division, this, you know, financial division. And, and you had to, I was, had to download this app and then, and she goes, and if you can afford it, just go ahead and pay for it and you should get reimbursed. <laughs> what? And so, yeah, it was this whole, you know, and, and so I was on hold with the financial division for at least probably 30 minutes, never got through. Now, hang on. This financial division, what is, was it under the uh, Humira umbrella? It was under the Humira, yeah. But so I had some, to call this yeah. other number. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So... I get done with all of this. I hang, I left a message. I hung up and I just looked at my husband and I said, I'm not, I'm not doing this. I am not spending two hours of my life every month, mm. essentially begging for medication. I'm I'm not doing it. And of course he is like, we'll pay whatever we need to pay. And I, I'm like, no, no way. I, I will find something else. And he, he's like, well, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know, but not this, not this, you know? And so when I was first diagnosed, my friend's sister had has rheumatoid arthritis and I had called her and she had told me about this program, um, your program that was plant-based and she wasn't going to do it because she doesn't want to, you know, do the plant-based thing. But, and I never looked it up because I'm thinking, well, I'm already doing that. So I didn't even, I didn't even look it up, you know, but now I was. I was desperate. I thought I must be missing something. I must be missing something. So I got on, I watched your Ted talk and it was just like mind blowing. And right away I realized that there were, there were three things. I think I thought, okay, this is what I can tweak and see what happens. I was drinking like an irresponsible amount of coffee for many, many, many years, many years. I was taking a lot of ibuprofen. Um, like I mentioned, to the point I would get gastritis sometimes. Um, and between taking it for for running, you know, I would get pretty bad headaches with my periods. So once a month, you know, I was taking it for that. And um, and over the last few years, I had kind of added oils back into my diet. Um, when I first started whole food plant based, um, it was for my high cholesterol, and so you know, I'd cut out all, all oils, but then I'd kind of added that back and some seafood. So it felt like, okay, there's something I can do. There is something I can do. And, and I spent, I don't know how much time, you know, I think I watched your Ted talk. I don't know how many times. And, um, and then, you know, looked at all your interviews with other people. And I thought I'm, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm doing this. Um, went out and bought a juicer. Uh, I think that night, <laughs> I love kitchen appliances, so it was a good excuse to get to get a juicer. Um, The first big challenge for me was getting off a coffee. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm not that was pretty brutal. Um, I had a pretty bad headache for a couple days, but my joints didn't hurt. I I am not kidding. I had relief in 48 hours of starting the celery cucumber juice. I did the I did the cleanse. Um, I think I made it. I don't know, 36 hours or whatever. I didn't quite make it the whole 48 hours, but, um, but I felt fantastic. I, I, 
just couldn't believe it. And, and the biggest thing I would notice in the morning, I always had swelling around my ankles and knees and every morning I would get up and put my feet out. And I just, I just couldn't believe it that this could work, you know? And so, and I think I did have quite an advantage because I was, I already knew how to eat whole food plant-based that, that is a huge, you know, hurdle to get over, I think for people. And so for me, I, I felt like I did get results pretty quickly and, and it wasn't so difficult to do, but yeah. And I, that week, I think, so I started it on the weekend and then like that Wednesday, I thought, okay, after work, I'm going to stop at this. We have a running path um, near where I work and I think I'm going to go running and um, see if my joints swell because notoriously if I would go exercise the next day, I would gain weight because of swelling. What? Wow. Yeah. And so, um, so I thought, okay, I'm going to test this out. So I went running, felt great, um, was really out of shape, but <laughs> couldn't really yeah. breathe, but, um, and didn't have any swelling the next morning. Couldn't believe it. I mean, I, it, it was just amazing. But, and then, and then thinking back, like all those times I was taking ibuprofen or prednisone for um, joint pain, just making everything worse. I don't know. That, that was just a big aha moment for me of, of gut health and leaky gut. And, and I had heard of that concept, but until I experienced it, I'm not sure I would have believed it, but, but experiencing it, I mean, it, it is just, yeah, it is incredible. That's actually one of the main reasons that the two-day cleanse is there. Uh, it's not there because it is essential to making you know, long-term progress or to get the best possible outcome. It's yeah. there for the experience of, oh my gosh, look at this connection that's there. Yeah. 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 So there's, a, there's an extra subtlety to this that I've mentioned uh, on a, a couple of live calls recently um, that I haven't mentioned in podcasts, I don't think. But that subtlety is that when the body suddenly experiences a starvation state where the calorie intake is insufficient, then inflammatory processes driven by the immune system are given low priority. And what does this mean? It just means that the immune system begins to uh, allocate resources to survival and does not operate normally. And so there is two things going on here. One is we have less translocating undigested proteins from food entering our bloodstream. So we have that because there's just no food. Okay, that's number one. And I used to think that alongside bacterial components entering my blood was the only thing that's going on when we stop eating. But the contribution from your immune system deciding, uh-oh, there's no food, starvation is, is happening, I therefore will stop the inflammatory process and I will stop producing leukocytes, white blood cells, to attack this perceived threat in, our, in my joints, um, which in fact could very much be a real threat given that bacteria and bacterial components have been identified in the joints of RA patients, mm -hmm. right? It just stops doing it. And so you feel euphoric because the immune system has given yeah. you a break. So there's two things happening. Now, mm -hmm. I spent probably nine years under the thought paradigm that it was only the first contribution, which is no food, no, no stuff entering my bloodstream, therefore no immunoreactivity. And if I had have known that there is a second component, which is your immune system just stops because you're in a starvation state, which is very much the case, according to the science, if I'd have known that back in the day, I may have never pursued this whole journey with the same fervor and conviction that I have. In fact, I know I wouldn't have because I would have thought, oh, no, nah, it's just because of that. It's and and but because I believed that it was entirely due to the food, I never stopped. And so my naivety gave great motivation. Now and I thank realize. God you didn't stop. I mean, I just like 
yeah, I'm so thankful that you you didn't just take take their word for you know the, the specialist word for it and and sought that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Even if it was just for my own health, you know, because uh, but it was it was a great thing not to know and to believe that entirely it was a um it was due to food equals pain. Therefore, uh, let's get the food right. Let's go on this journey and continue on that. It was only when I was writing my book, only like about a year and a half ago or something, did I did I make this extra connection? Yeah. So where does that bring us now? So you you got you were a really quick responder. You did the cleanse. You felt so much better real quick. And then we know that only last week you went to your doctor and you and you said how well you're doing. But in that period between when you started the Patterson program to last week, what has been the progression and what happened to the Humira? Did you just leave it aside? And how did you feel after all this? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I called Humira and I called, you know, the pharmacy and said, do not send this. I'm done, you know, and started the program. I, I felt really good, you know, immediately. Um, and for, for a couple of weeks, in the back of my head, you were always saying, now be friends with gentle hun- hunger. I think you said that somewhere. So I was always thinking that, you know, and then I was, this is the other thing. I'm I'm kind of, I can be a little bit competitive or maybe not. I don't know. I don't like to say I'm competitive, but I really wanted to get off this methotrexate. And so I was decreasing it by two tablets every month. And so I had gotten to the point where I was off of it just for a couple of weeks, but I was like, yeah it's still, it still must be doing something. Cause I still, I mean, I, it wasn't as bad as I was, but I wasn't, um, I felt the best when I was on four. And so I thought, well, I just need to give this some time to really heal my gut. The, the couple of things that I, I realized between that time period, this time period is that I had something to fall back on. And that's what I kept telling my husband and daughter. The the reason this excites me so much is if I do get a little flare up, I know what to do and I can do something and it's cheap. I can go to the grocery store and get some celery and cucumber. I do not have to call anybody. I don't have to wait on the phone. I don't have to wait for it to be shipped or feel guilty that I'm, you know, a high user of our healthcare system. (laughs) I am going to go to Aldi and get some celery and cucumbers. It is that easy, right? And that, I mean, I think Humera, I mean, I think RA, um, there are two things. I mean, besides besides just having excruciating pain, but it is a sense of losing control. I mean, I felt like I just didn't have any control over my life, you know, and I felt like I got that control back. Um, and so, yeah. And so, and, and, um, sweet potatoes and, you know, the, the buckwheat, I mean, I would just, if, if I felt like, oh, am I feeling a little twinge of something? I would just really go back on that. And so that is one thing I learned through all this. Now, one time I I am still having a little bit of flare up right before my period. And that, and I had that previously. So if you could just figure out a juice that I could do, <laughs> do to throw me into menopause, that'd be marvelous. <laughs> what our members do inside rheumatoid support is apply a little bit of progesterone cream onto their skin. Oh, okay. That helps. That's okay. all I've, that's the yeah, only solution. That's <laughs> yeah, that's all I know. You might already have been over that bridge in the past without, like, yeah. I don't know. But um, yeah. that's helped some people. The rest uh, just make that I almost have that understanding that that's not the time to test new foods. If you're wanting to right. eat out right. at a restaurant or something and see if that restaurant's going to be just fine to eat in the future, don't do it at that time because you're going to give it a false reading. You mm-hmm. might falsely accuse the restaurant, but it might be just fine. Um, so it's almost like, uh, you know, and dare I say it in today's work society, but if there are some small emotional changes during that time as well, um, <laughs> it's like you don't also yeah. maybe, uh, you know, make make big decisions or have deep conversations right. at that time if, if the fuse right. is a tiny bit shorter. Um, then you also don't want to be, you know, making big dietary changes and decisions mm-hmm. around food as well. 
Um, so right. it's as simple as that. It's just a little bit of a tread lightly for a few days and then get back to normal again, back to regular decision-making and process and all that. So right. I don't have a solution on that, but I do believe that on the contrary to your doctor, you are young to be looking at uh, being able to manage the disease with minimal drugs long-term. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think all that you've done with your, and, and, and let me justify the statement, um, all that you've done in the past with your whole food plant-based has obviously made you a good responder, right? So your microbiome is not off right. with the pixies, okay? What you're essentially doing is probably just through oil use and as you said, the ibuprofen use, and because you can eat whole food plant-based and still be eating foods that are high in omega-6 compared to omega-3, you can be eating foods that are uh, high acid compared to their alkalinity contribution to the body. And so you can have food sensitivities that you're completely unaware of, right? Mm-hmm. You can be eating high fat plant-based whole mm-hmm. food diet. You can be eating like nuts and seeds constantly throughout the day as a yeah. snack between meals. And these things, whilst the average person think big deal, when you have immune reactions going on in your body, this can really stir things up. And once it's stirred up, you've got more inflammation at the gut wall, more leaky gut, and the cycle continues. And so it's all in the detail. And so you were forced into this sort of, I've got no other option after the humerus trauma. And then symptoms continued and blah, 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 blah. And you saw your life playing out in terms of a medication patient, right? And not that there's anything wrong with that. Right. But, you know, you, you you thought, look, I, you know, you, there's, there's, there's got to be more to it. And so the reason I think you're in a great position is because you're only on what was the starting lowest dose of that I took of methotrexate? You, you're on. You're currently on a starter dose. Okay. Yeah, right. A lot of rheumatologists that I learn from through third parties, customers of mine say my rheumatologist said this, this, this. Many of them below ten milligram don't even see it as a viable dose. They say well, don't even bother taking it below ten. Oh, wow. Right yeah. now, our community have experienced mm-hmm. different things to those guidelines. I had a. A client, uh, Hannah in the Netherlands, who several years ago stayed on 2.5 milligram a week, one little tablet a week for a year, for a year before she decided to stop that because she felt it different coming from 10 to 7.5 to 5 to 2.5. She felt it every single time and she stayed on 2.5 for a year before she came off it. So, you know, there are different opinions here. And, um, And so we also have got more information just coming through this past year. I've learned so much in this past year that I'm so excited about this year ahead with 2023, about what to contribute via these podcasts and my book and the improvements coming through the Rheumatoid Solutions membership because I have learned so much that I feel that it's like almost uh, there's like a new wave of information coming through and it's just tremendously you know, exciting for me to be able to bring it stuff that no one else is talking about. And yeah, I just think that we're in for a wonderful year ahead in terms of sharing of information. And I feel real confident with, you know, your decades to come. I just, that's that's exciting. I'm so excited for your book to come out too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's exciting. Yeah. So Awesome work. Let's go into a little detail before we close out and hear about uh, some of the specifics that you emphasize. Is it leafy greens? Is it your exercise? Is it, for example, you got to drink lemon water before? Is it you don't eat before? I mean, a lot of people already know the program, but are there some things that you've found are your little absolute go-tos? Yeah, yeah. So um, one thing that is huge for me is I always meal prep on Sundays. Um, I make a big thing. I quinoa for some reason has always kind of upset my stomach. Um, just like bloat. So I can't do quinoa, but I usually do buckwheat and amaranth. Um, I make a, make a pretty good batch of that. Um, and then I do a bunch of sweet potatoes. I love Japanese sweet potatoes. Those are just the white ones are just, they're my favorite. So I usually make those, I dish those out, you know, to take to work. 
So pretty much every day for lunch, I am eating, even now I am eating sweet potatoes, those grains, and then a really um, good leafy green salad with some spinach, some arugula, you know, um, like a spring mix. And then I put sprouts on it and um, a few walnuts and some dried cherries. So I make a bunch of those salads. And, and so that I feel like that consistency to eat that every day, I think is really helpful. And then, you know, for our evening meals, I basically have been cooking like I had been cooking for years, just, you know, which was so nice, you know, just not doing the oils. And I find having a little bit of a, I'm feeling like, uh, you know, I'm having a little bit of a minor flare up. I'll just do the grains and stuff that evening meal as well. Um, but just lots of greens. I mean, we go through, <laughs> we go through a lot of greens at our house. Let's just say that. And then, you know, I kind of do the celery, cucumber juice as needed kind of, um, I probably do that a couple times a week, maybe. Um, and then more so if I'm, if I'm feeling like it's for my period or something. The other thing that I find is interesting is I, um, I really liked sugar before too. That sweets were my, you know, kind of my downfall, but I have completely cut that out. I had had my A1C checked. I don't know. It was about a couple of years ago. It was 5.4, which isn't bad, but it was still kind of like, oh. And so I had it checked recently after being on this program for about three, four months, and it's down to 5.1, which is fantastic, I think. You know, and so I also eat a lot of oats. You know, my breakfast is always the same thing. I, I really like consistency for me. I think it helps helps keep on track. But um I do um, still cut oats. I make a big batch of those and just keep them in the fridge. So I do that every morning with some berries and a cut up banana and almond milk and um, some cinnamon. That's yeah. Sensational. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's sometimes a little challenging going out for dinner with friends. Um, I don't like to be that person that's, you know, has to be different or has to, but I've, just told myself I got to get over that, you know, and it is what it is. And I have to do what's best for me and feel better. I remember the first, it was only a week or two that I was on this. We went out with a big group of our friends and, and my husband was like, what are you going to eat? You know? And I said, I don't even care. I feel so much better that I just don't even care. I will just eat some plain lettuce. I just feel so much better. When you, it's like when people make the connection between food and how you feel, it is just, I, I just think that's awesome to make that connection. Um, even when we switched over to whole food plant-based, you know, years ago, my, my husband and daughter were not very happy with me when I did that. Um, cause I cook for everybody. <laughs> um, but after, you know, several weeks, a month, they were both like, wow, we feel so much better you know, they even felt better. So food just makes such a difference. And, and making that connection is, yeah, I just think it's huge. Yeah. Well, it does. It affects you. It affects your mood. It affects your hormones. It affects your happiness. It affects your decisions on what foods you're going to eat. Like your microbiome, they call it a second brain. I mean, it influences so much of you as a person, as Margaret, like Margaret, you, like you're more microbiome than what you are, you know, human cells, right? So when yeah. someone says where you're going as you leave the house, you literally can say, you know, I'm taking 30 trillion bugs for a walk. It's like, it's, it's just a crazy scenario, but they, there are more bugs in us and on us than what we have human cells. So, I mean, it is. It's an extraordinary concept, but we really are interacting with other people and and making decisions and running our lives based on, I want to say, like a huge percentage of feelings and thoughts that aren't our own. It's 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 a bit of a mind bend, but like I noticed that if I if I'm eating super clean. I'm just so happy and I'm my my I've got clarity, everything. It's you're getting the right signals, your body get your body's calm. Yeah, it's uh it's a it's a weird thing. And what I what I what's interesting is that you need discipline for about two to three weeks where it feels uncomfortable. 
right. to get to a point where then you get the positive feedback from your bugs to then make it all comfortable. Did you experience mm-hmm. that? Yeah, I think I, I would say that's true. Yeah. Yeah. It, it did take a lot of discipline. But yeah, but once once I felt better, it was just and and I think and I think this was true when we made the switch to whole food plant based. When you kind of when you kind of do that reset, things start tasting better too, right? I mean, like now if I would take a bite of a dessert, it would just be like way too sweet for me. I mean, you just start tasting things more. Um and so you just I think you just have to give it that couple weeks to like kind of reset your palate and reset, just reset all of that, that you can, yeah, enjoy food. The, what, the biggest thing was, I was like, I have to eat salad without salad dressing, like really, which my husband's like, oh, it's not that bad. He's forgotten dressing before, you know, it'll be fine. And, and the first week was kind of like, uh, but um, now I actually prefer it um, because you can taste everything. Mm. So Your salads also, they're, they're pretty Epic. I mean, you've got the the dried cherries that you mentioned in there, mm-hmm. some walnuts, and you submit some other things that I uh, that you mentioned. And I mean, it, they they sound yummy. So you've made salads that yeah. have texture and flavors in them. So um, you've gotten to that point where you can eat those without problems. So so that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about some other things that uh, that people might be wondering about. Did you ever do supplements? Uh, and also let's talk about your exercise now, what that looks like. Uh, is there strength training involved or is it just uh, uh, cardio sort of style running and recreational sort of uh, jogs? So talk supplements, then talk um, about exercise for me. And then I want to ask you about your sleep quality and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah. Um, supplement wise, I, I really don't take anything right now. Um, I really, this next year, I want to look into the omega three, omega six, um, testing. I would like to do that. I, in the past, I've tried, you know, lots of turmeric, um, capsules. Um, gosh, I've tried ashwagandha. I've tried, um, fish oils. Yeah. I've, I've tried quite a few different things and didn't really notice a huge difference with for me so supplement wise i okay good because yeah. you know it, supplements have a disproportionate love from our community than what they deserve mm-hmm. there's i think the list of my recommendations has even gone down from 5 to 4 so uh and one of those is b12 which is oh i do take b12 yeah right, right. it's sort of like that that's like just it's like a no-brainer. Like the B12 right, is right. almost, com- well, it is compulsory. And then so you've got then, you know, all of the probably 100 things for which has been researched for our condition. And I think there's only like three others that I, that mm-hmm. I, that I strongly endorse. And um, some, and, and of those, you know, diet can, diet can cover a, a lot of, a, a lot of their impact as well. So, so that's that. So talk about now exercise. What does that look like for you? Yeah. So, um, I try to get to the gym at least twice a week to do some strength training. Um, just some machines. I am not, you know, I, I just do it more just for, for some resistance, um, Mm -hmm. training for Mm -hmm. bone health too. I'd been doing that for years. So, um, so I would say lightweight lifting and then, um, I'm up to running again, probably six days a week. And I was just doing the elliptical before and when I would run on the weekends, it was pretty, pretty painful, pretty slow. I would still make myself do it just to be doing it. But I, I probably maybe three times a week, I would do cardio. Um, but now I'm, I'm up to, yeah, six days. I'm running faster than I ever have running, just feeling better. I just, I can't believe it. I can't tell you how many days that I'm like, my feet don't hurt. Like just this realization, like my feet don't hurt. I, I can't believe this. So that, that to me is just amazing. Just amazing. And like I said, you don't know how bad you are until you feel better. And I thought, well, I have been dealing with this for years. I think I wonder sometimes if my diet kind of kept it at a simmer um, and I just didn't recognize it. So, you know, all those years of, of um, running and exercising and, and being in pain and just thinking that's just, me and so to be on the other side and to feel like this is just yeah for exercise that's just been amazing 
So. Yeah, that is sensational. Uh, I get questions frequently about uh, shoes um, with people with sore feet. Have you adjusted shoes? Do you wear uh, special shoes around the house to to, to mm-hmm. dampen the uh, the contact, or are you barefoot around the house? And just tell us about what shoes you run with and what you yeah. wear. Yeah, yeah. I um I just wear I stick with Brooks running shoes. Those have worked the best for me. Um. And then I really don't wear any kind of special shoe. It's interesting you saying that because for years I'd be like, oh, my feet hurt. I need a new pair of shoes. You know, I was constantly buying shoes and trying different ones, thinking that that was going to help my foot pain. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't wear really anything, anything special, just Brooks. Okay. Okay. And you can walk barefoot around the house. Yeah. I don't, I don't love to be barefoot anyway, but, but I can, I can, can walk barefoot. around but yeah yeah great great i'm barefoot right now walked across the street barefoot across the uh, the tarmac and the concrete absolutely no pain there was a point where i felt that i may never walk barefoot on my tiles in my kitchen again you know i thought i i thought it may never happen and it was it genuinely thought this might be it i might always have to wear these mm-hmm. like ugbuki, ugbooty things with the soft merino wool in the inside, and yeah, and now I love it. Melissa says to me, "You, at least she worries about everything." She says, "You're gonna step in dog poo, or you're gonna get some kind of thorn in your foot, or there's glass on the ground." And I'm like, "Bring it on!" Yes, you say, "I don't care." Uh, like <laughs> glass doesn't hurt as much as what rheumatoid used to, and this is an expression of my freedom. Right. And and wow. it, it's so empowering. And of course, I look out for those things. And you know, touch wood, it, it hasn't it hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, I may have inadvertently stepped on something not too nice over the over the past couple of years, but um, <laughs> it's worth the it's worth the risk. Uh, now, finally, we I wanted to ask you. What, I had another question. What was that last question that I had queued up there for you? No. Uh, there was one other thing. It'll it'll come back to me. Um, how how sleep? How's your sleep? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that that is the other thing. I um, mean, after starting this program, I remember the first night I actually like slept all night and woke up to my alarm. I couldn't believe it. Um, sleep is so much better. I mean, I yeah. I mean, I I just don't have an issue anymore. Um, you know, I went from tossing, turning, changing positions. And just feeling so tired. I can't believe how much energy, more energy I have. I think from sleep and I think from being off of caffeine. I think those two things have just made me feel, I I just have so much, so much more energy. That's fascinating because obviously the draw card for the caffeine is to make you have more energy. Mm -hmm. But I heard, I think it was Anthony Robbins' team on stage one time first brought this to my attention. And maybe allocating this to the wrong per people, but apparently, like uh, when you're taking coffees now in your, you know, twenties, thirties, forties, it's like drawing down from your reserves of part of your. Uh, now I'm speaking at an area I don't understand, haven't studied, but uh, it's like drawing energy almost from the future. So yes, you can tap into this by pulling this energy yeah. that the caffeine can stimulate. But long term, that is not a a wise move. I look at it purely from the point of view of the studies, right? Coming back to the science, the science shows coffee consumption is associated with an increased risk of rheumatoid, and so is decaffeinated coffee is associated with an increased risk of rheumatoid. And I think that alone, forget the forget right. all the other arguments, right? That that right. alone. I don't want to, I don't want to debate it anymore. Okay. Let's not debate this. Okay. So if that thing increases your risk of rheumatoid, don't do it. If you've got rheumatoid, I know it's doesn't, the study doesn't talk about if you have it, but come on, let's get our health, health right. So wonderful that you've improved energy from that. Plus you've halved your methotrexate, which Mm -hmm. is going to contribute a lot to that as well. Mm -hmm. Well done. Anything else you'd like to to share? Any other things that you do that you know no one else does and you're happy to share with us that help you? Yeah, I don't I don't know really, but but I just I mean, I I think I just want to encourage people. Um, I mean, I know it can seem daunting to to change your eating habits, especially if you're, you know, on the standard American diet for sure. 
but you know, I, I think I, I love Michael Pollan's um, saying, you know, eat real food, mostly plants, not too much. I, I think you can make it as simple or as complicated as you want. And um, just to try not to feel too overwhelmed by that. There's so many good resources out there of um, plant-based cooking. I, and I, in fact, I just ordered a cookbook that you had interviewed somebody on your podcast just recently. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so there's a lot of good resources, but um, you know, just keep it simple. I think. Yeah. Um, I was thinking planning about ahead. That. Yeah. I was thinking about that on the drive. We just drove from, uh, uh, we drove from Jupiter in Florida to Orlando today. And I was thinking about it when the kids were sleeping in the back seat just for a brief period. And I thought, you know what the healing path looks like? It looks like if you're really, really poor, like you don't have much money and you have to eat the most humblest basic mm-hmm. foods and you don't have access to all of the, the Starbucks and the McDonald's and you, you just, you don't have access because you live in maybe a rural area. Mm-hmm. So it's like you've, you've got a local mango tree, maybe a citrus little group of few citrus mm-hmm. trees. You're growing sweet potatoes and potatoes in your yard with some carrots. Everything's grown, right? You've got like almost like your foods are the cheapest ones in the supermarket that are considered almost like you overlook them because they're so Mm -hmm. simple. They are the ones that contribute to the ultimate compost heap in your stomach of health which is your gut bacteria. It's what we are. We're a compost heap, right? So that's what creates an environment that supports us. And it is a, it's a, it's a, it's a big step down from the shrimp Mm. eaten and barbecue loving high end, you know, successful work environment mindset. This is a, I'm going to eat, I'm going to eat humble foods that are so cheap that anyone could anyone could mm. afford them and eat them regularly. And it's kind of, hmm, it's so dissatisfying for the type A overachieving person. Right, right, right. Yeah. You know, and you just saying that, like, I just, I heard an interview with Dan Butner from the um, Blue Zones. And he was saying that, you know, these communities that that are in the Blue Zones, they are just surrounded with foods like you were just talking about, like they just live their lives. They're, they're not thinking about food constantly because their environment is such that, you know, they just have the simple foods around them like rice and beans and, and, and they can, you know, think about other things besides, you know, crappy food. Like, I just feel like we are just surrounded, surrounded by, by bad food. And, and I think it's hard for people, but, but like what you just said, I mean, it, it can just be so simple, so simple mm-hmm. and so cheap and, and, you know, add some spices. It, it tastes, it's good. It's good. I, I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's right. That's right. When we're not saying that you have to live off only like a small range of foods. No, mm-hmm. what we're saying is that those foods don't need to be expensive. Those foods are, uh, what it is, is it's just an interesting kind of pondering that the decluttering and simplification of the food is is the wisest path forward Mm -hmm. Mm, simple some beans with some rice with a salad Mm -hmm. have some fruit between meals berries you know whatever melons all these different things have some grain at breakfast oats right Um, right you know, let's get some different legumes. Let's mix them up then. So that's day one. Let's get some same sort of thing, but let's get some different fruits, some different beans, maybe a brown rice, different wild rice, you know, just, but they're all simple stuff, but Mm -hmm. there's a spectrum within those simple foods that can hit our 30 plus plants a week to give us the diversity we want and have the best possible gut health. Mm -hmm. So I think we've done pretty good. Uh, in uh, in in uncovering your story today, and uh, and doing it justice, and I think it's amazing with how far you've come, you know, and you know some of your stories are just fascinating, and I hope everyone has 
gotten a lot out of our chat. I've really enjoyed it. Time's flown, you know, we're a little over time. So I just want to say thank you for sharing your story. You know, it's been, it's been great. Thank you. Um, I, I am just um, eternally grateful for all that you've done and, and with the the Patterson program, the rheumatoid solutions um, it's, you've given me my life back. Really? You have. Yeah. I, I feel like me again. So there were times I was in a pretty dark place. So I am, I am just really grateful and what an honor to be able to tell you that. <laughs> so oh, thank thanks you. for having me. Thank you. We both shared those dark places. And I think most of the people who have the condition also have been in those dark places. And, uh, and if someone is right there right now, you know, take a leaf out of our books and, uh, and get simple foods, you know, don't spend much money. And uh, and make those foods frequent, and you'll start to feel better and be encouraged. And uh, who knows, uh, might want to go down the path that you have and yeah. uh, and join our program and follow it through to the letter uh, to get all the nuances just right to get the best possible results. So thank you very much. I've gone into darkness here. The sun has set on me, and I'm just now a floating head lit by a computer screen. Uh, so to people on YouTube, I apologise for the the uninteresting appearance that I'm that I'm running at the moment, but that doesn't affect the content. So thanks for watching or listening right to the end. Thank you so much for coming on the episode today. Thank you. And uh, appreciate it. Take care. Thanks for listening to Rheumatoid Solutions. If you'd like to get more help to live an easier, healthier, and happier life, visit rheumatoidsolutions.com.